In episode one, I'm sharing with you my journey. What made me go from being a banking and finance lawyer to becoming a world-renowned money mindset expert? I will share with you my ins and outs, my ups and downs, and I'll actually share some things that I haven't shared on any other platform before, but I want to share with you now, here now, so you can understand why it is that I'm so passionate about money and why I teach the kind of concepts that I do and why I'm so different from everybody else out there and why my strategies work and why I got them to work and how I got them to work. So stay tuned and find out why I absolutely love and adore and am best friends with money. See you soon. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and to blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about mindset strategies and energy tools that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Today, I'm going to be sharing my journey, how I went from being a banking and finance lawyer to a money mindset expert. It wasn't an easy journey. It wasn't a straightforward decision. And it wasn't something I set out to do initially. I promise you it wasn't. I had all the aspirations of becoming the world-renowned lawyer, but none of becoming a money mindset expert, nothing at all. And the things that I learned on the way, the journey that I've had and the experience I've had all led me to this path right now where I am right now. And I believe I'm on the right path. And this is why I'm so passionate about what I teach. I'm so passionate about money. I'm so passionate about teaching about the concepts of money to people, to people around me, to my clients. And this passion allows me to get the results for my clients that I do. And I have phenomenal testimonials to prove my strategies actually work. But what led me here? What got me here? And this is why I wanted to share with you first, foremost, on this podcast, Money Mindset with Gul Khan, so that you understand that I understand, well, I understood the, the, the feelings and I have full concept of not having money, okay? And because I went for money, not having money, and you all will be revealed very, very shortly. So let's start with the beginning. Let's start, my, let's start where I was as a, as a child. I grew up um, on a council estate. My parents separated when I was five years old. My father remarried. And as Muslims, my uh, men, Muslim men are allowed to have more than one wife, but they do need permission from the first wife. My father didn't take the permission. My mother actually would have refused anyway. And so when she found out he remarried, uh, she left my father and it went, came back to the UK. I, we, I was actually originally born in Manchester, but we had moved to um, Pakistan when I, was, when I was a few months old because my father wanted to set up his new business there. Anyhow. Once my mother found out that he was remarried, we moved back to the UK. And because my father played the financial card, he didn't support her financially, assuming that she would eventually come back, you know, being used to the kind of lifestyle that she was, that, um, you know, she would bring the kids back too. Unfortunately for him, my mother was a stubborn woman. <laughs> and therefore she said, nope. Um, so we moved to, instead of going back to Manchester, we actually moved to London and, we, and I grew up in London. Now I grew up on a council estate on, in London. In the east end of London, so you could do. Now, if you know anything about east end of London, you can imagine what kind of life um, I had as a young child. But being very studious, being the kind of person I was, my father, my brother went off the rails and he did all sorts of things because uh, I think he he couldn't adjust to the fact that he we had lots of money and now we didn't. Whereas I went the other way and I wanted to prove to my father that I didn't need him. So I studied really, really hard. And I was a straight A student. I went on to, um, to university. And actually, surprisingly, <laughs> this is how you can imagine how hard I studied. 
I uh, was assessed to be severely, not just dyslexic, but severely dyslexic in the first year of my law degree. But I, I had no clue about it beforehand because I just studied all the way hard, or you know, so hard all the way through. And even the person who assessed me looked at my grades, my A-level grades, I've got five A-level grades, and looked at the grades I've got, and uh, they're all A's, um, three A's and two B's, and was shocked the fact that I was able to get such high grades with the with the with dyslexia as it was because I was severely dyslexic. I still am. You can't change that anyhow. That proved the fact that I was a really, really hard student, and I, all I cared about was getting to to the level of my father, becoming really, really wealthy person, and I did it the way I knew how, which was study really hard, become a professional, other law doctor, lawyer, whatever else, and I chose to become a lawyer because I'm very articulate, I speak well, and have confidence, and therefore I chose to do that. So I went on to become a lawyer, and not only did I become a lawyer in the UK, I actually went on to qualify in other jurisdictions as well. So. I became a barrister with Middle Temple in the UK. I also became a New York attorney. I actually, became, I actually passed the New York bar exams prior to becoming a barrister here, but I didn't take the, the hypocritical oath. I took the oath after and therefore actually qualified as an attorney after I became a barrister with the New York Bar Association. And then I also, because of the extensive experience I had accumulated working for some, some of the top floor firms in the world, let alone UK, such as Scadden Arps, um, Herbert Smith, and even Shell Inc., that I, my experience was accepted by the Law Society and I became a fully qualified solicitor with the England Domains Law Society. So now I'm, I'm one of those rare breeds where I'm qualified as an attorney, as with the New York Bar, as a barrister with Middle Temple, and I'm also a fully qualified solicitor, but I practice in none. Now, once I became a lawyer, that, that's my, that was my mission. I also unfortunately lost my mother when I was 21 years old. And therefore, I, that led me onto the path of you know, even more determined to be successful and you know, achieve X, Y, Z, etc., etc. So I was determined to attain a lot of success. Now, when I found out that I was dyslexic when I was around, around the age of 18, 19, that's what led me on the path of personal development. So that's when I first went ahead and picked up a Tony Buzan book about mind maps and uh, speed reading and so forth, which helped me in my studies and to you know, study further. Not only that, I also ended up picking up another Tony's book, but this time Tony Robbins' book on Awaken the Giant Within. And that led me on my this long journey of becoming a person development junkie rather. <laughs> That's what I became, a person development junkie. And I had been doing that for quite some years. Now, I had no intention of ever going into person development. It was just something that I studied to make myself better, to allow myself to have success and succeed in the way I wanted to. Like I said, I was very determined to have a lot of financial success. So by the time I was in my mid-20s, I was uh, working for some of the top law firms in the, in the, in the world, earning in American dollars, multiple um, six figures in, in American dollars and in UK pounds, still you know, close to six figures in UK pounds also. Once that was achieved, I then obviously became, uh, went on to have marriage. Now, I chose to have a arranged marriage. Yes, call me, <laughs> call me um, a naive or why are you going to call me? But I chose to go down the traditional path and actually have an arranged marriage. So my father chose my first husband for me and well, I only had a meeting with a couple of times. Anyway, that's another discussion for another day why I did that. But anyway, I had an arranged marriage and with my, my first husband, he decided that he, he wanted to work as much. He, he preferred to be, um, again, wanted to be a stay-at-home um, a husband and he, he wanted to stay at home with, with, with our future family and I was happy to for that so he did a little bit so off there but most of the financial burden was on me which is fine which was I was happy to accept because I, I was a banking finance lawyer and I think he was working as a criminal lawyer and then he left that to do some other things he wanted to do which is fine however that marriage became highly 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 physically abusive 
the more I, the more financially dependent he became on me, the more physically abusive he became on me uh, uh, towards me, also to control me. So I don't know where that led and what happened, but that became a very, very abusive marriage. I, I stuck with that, unfortunately, for a while. My, I became pregnant with my, my daughter and I decided to stick with that, um, to, with the marriage. And, uh, and so how, I just assumed naively, I suppose, that you know, once I have the baby, he'll be fine. He wasn't, he was only verbally abusive before, before the baby was born when, during my pregnancy. But after my baby was born, he became violent towards me physically, irrespective of where the baby was. If I was holding the baby, he was. So the, after, I remember this one incident when it happened when he was very, very, very physically abusive towards me, I, I plucked up the courage to call 999 and that was the end of that marriage. So that marriage ended. Now, I learned my lesson, so I thought, to not be, may allow a man to become financially dependent on me. So I thought this time around, again, second marriage, I went, I went straight into a second marriage. Somebody else sent a proposal through and this person had been interested in me or in love with me so to speak for the last 16 years prior to that apparently so I accepted that proposal and again semi-arranged marriage but kind of it wasn't that I dated or got to know him for a very long time I just went from one marriage into the other and this marriage now this person did take care of me and he decided that he wanted me to be stay-at-home mom rather than actually go to work which was I was happy to accept he put the effort in and I was still keep this keeping in mind that I was still um, you're using a lot of this um, personal development stuff and I was manifesting money and well, just to let you know that before just before that uh, before my first marriage ended after uh, after um, during my first marriage I actually became a property millionaire so I did have the money to be able to put the money together and um, become a property millionaire so I achieved my target of becoming a millionaire before I was 30. During the separation, we I had to fight the everything through with with the with the courts, but I was able to to safeguard my property because we had been married for less than two years, and I could prove the fact that we had a, um, you know, it was an abusive marriage and so forth. So I wasn't I didn't have to give away any of my property, which I was quite happy and quite thankful for. During the second marriage, this person was adamant he wanted me to stay home so I did and I stayed home so I stayed home with a daughter and later on a few couple of years later we had a son together now this marriage ended up becoming the opposite very not physically abusive but very verbally abusive and he became he made me financially dependent on completely he was adamant I could not go out and work and I could do something home home but the problem was the more I stayed at home the, the less I could do. I, I, I began to lose my confidence. I, he, 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 through the verbal abuse, he killed everything about me. He completely destroyed my internal character. I, from being someone who was you know, confident in her appearance, confident in her in a, min, a mental intellectual ability, and, and, conf, and confident in the fact that she, she could achieve financial success, I went on to becoming almost nothing. Now, the question would be, how could I someone allow that to happen? Why would I choose to be a stay-at-home mom? Because now I want you to remember the fact that by the age of 21, I had lost my mom and my mom was my world. So I really desperately wanted to have a family. To, and this is why when the second, my second husband decided, said that he, he just wanted me to concentrate on the family for the time being and just focus on my daughter. And then later on, when we had a son together, he didn't want me to waste my time outside do something from home, whatever he was with support, but he wanted me to just focus on the family. And as ambitious as I am, my family was more of my priority and that's what I wanted to do. Because at the end of the day, we all want love. And I really lost the love of my mum. And I wanted to make sure that my daughter had her mother's love as much as possible. So this is where the motivation came and the decision to stay at home. 
So I readily accepted. But of course, of course, um, there has a twist and there's a twist in it, of course, isn't there? So he became the more financially dependent I became on him, the more verbally abusive he became towards me. And then all this thing started about the fact that I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm stupid. And he, because he wasn't very educated, he had this thing about me being educated, the fact that I was arrogant, or etc. So he tried to belittle me and make me feel small about myself as much as possible. He was actually, I found out later on, I found out he was narcissistic. And this is a typical behavior of a narcissistic man. However, I didn't know this at the time. And I kept believing there's something wrong with me. And I, I desperately tried doing everything from affiliate marketing to whatever. And I, I promise you, from someone who, who could achieve everything very easily, or at least could achieve a, a very good result, I went to someone who couldn't achieve anything. Whatever I touched, whatever business opportunity I tried, or what, it doesn't matter what I tried, it, it seemed like whatever I touched turned to dust. That's how I felt. None, nothing worked. No business opportunities worked for me at all. He even invested some money with me as well, making me helping me to try and do uh, some business together. We, we we started a care home together, which failed miserably. All our savings, everything went towards that, and that was something that I had to live by as well. So nothing I touched worked. None of our businesses, none of our ideas, nothing worked at all. And I just couldn't make a penny. It got to the point where I wasn't making a penny. Well, simultaneously while this was going on, I was also on another journey. I was trying to figure out my spirituality for the first time i was at home around kids but when the time i had i wouldn't i'm not the time to sit around just watching tv so i went on the journey to understand myself so i, I did various um alternative healing uh, therapies about emotional therapy i did emotional freedom technique i learned about that i trained up and became an expert in that and i also learned about reiki and then my final stop was uh, with intuitive um, healing then this is what i took with a renowned i'm not going to give her name but a renowned, um, a, a renowned uh, mentor, and I, I was on a, on a 12-month program with her, and what, or six-month program with her, and when I did that, that's when my internal journeys became, and that's when I became, I realized that I had this gift of energy healing and energy clearings, and then that's, what's, that's what I use at the moment. Now, I was practicing and learning that all of that throughout the time, so I was able to help people with my energy healings, with my energy clearings, yet I was unable to help myself. And not even physically aware of the fact that I was in this highly, highly, highly physically abusive marriage. Not physically, verbally abusive marriage. He was never physically with me, but it was very, very, very severely abusive marriage. And completely killed off all my confidence in my ability completely as much as he can. I literally feel like I'm the rise of the phoenix and where I am right now. Completely different person to where I was then. However, we continue. So once that happened, I had this, this inert feeling that... I, I couldn't be out of the marriage and there's something wrong with me as most females do when they're in an abusive marriage. But there was a light at the end of the tunnel and the light was given to me by this individual. So coming to in, back in 2016, I found out he was having an affair. We went on a holiday to Disneyland. I took my nine-year-old daughter to, to Disneyland as a family together for her birthday. And on during that vacation, I found out that he was having an affair with um, a 19-year-old at the time. So I sort of confronted him and we had this obviously, you know, big, big, massive argument. And then when we came back home, we decided to separate, to, and, but not leave the marriage, but we separate so we can work on the marriage. Obviously, there was, I felt, I at the time wrongly felt that there was cracks in the marriage because of him and because of me. And we had, you know, somehow lost in touch with each other and then we can work on the marriage and make it work. <laughs> Naive, I know, but only anyway. So I, we, we separated to make our marriage work. That led us down to the path where 
few months down the line, I was, you know, we weren't getting back together. He wasn't willing to come back home and I couldn't work a way out. And I remember talking to Devices Energy just the night before. And even though the night, even though the night, it was on 30th of August, 2016. I remember going to sleep. I had just taken my, my kids to Thorpe Park, one of the theme parks here in, in London, in UK. And on the way back, I was very happy and content with my kids and my life as it was. But I prayed to Devices Energy. I said, look, Devices Energy, and for me, that's Allah subhanahu because I'm Muslim. I said, Allah subhanahu wa you know, just tell me what I'm supposed to do with this individual. Just tell me what it is that this individual is, um, it, it, you know, we're, we're supposed to work out together. Are we meant to be together? If we're not meant to be together, just give me one, an, give me an idea. Give me an indication of what, you know, what's going on, what's wrong. I'm stuck. I, I just need your help and guidance. I made this prayer, I specifically remember making this prayer with no intention of, you know, either way, you know, yes or no. I just left complete the question up to device energy so just give me a clear short shot sign what it is i'm supposed to do i go to sleep and i wake up in the morning and actually wake up late and normally i'm an early riser i normally get up about six but that day i woke up at nine o'clock and at nine o'clock i woke up and the first thing i heard in my head was go to where he's living i knew the address of where he was living but i i i had never been before and so I had a very clear notion, go to where he's living. And I remember arguing with myself thinking, well, you know, it's nine o'clock and, you know, it's early in the morning and I have to get, I have to get up, give kids breakfast, whatever. I remember arguing with myself and I had this very clear noise in my head again, like this voice in my head saying, go, you need to get out of the house and you need to be there before 10.30, very, very clearly. And this is on 31st of August, 31st of August. It was Monday, the 31st of August, 2016, very, very clearly. And I remember jumping out of the bed, gra- you know, putting on yesterday's clothes, didn't brush my teeth, wash my face, just putting on yesterday's clothes, grabbing my kids as they were, giving them milkshakes in their hand for breakfast as they drank in the car. And I just shot in the car and I rode out because I'm in London and he's actually was living in Luton at the time. So it was about an hour, 15 minutes journey from where I was, an hour and a half to hour and 15. On the way there, there was absolutely no traffic. So we got there within an hour and 15 minutes. Otherwise, it could have taken us an hour and a half. And I got there before 10.30. So I got there for about uh, just before, uh, just around a quarter past 10. And lo and behold, I found him. Um, well, I found that um, I knocked on the door. He didn't open. That's when I knew something was going on because his car was parked outside. I started breaking the window um, and he opened the door and I pushed him aside. And obviously, then I found him in, um, in an interesting compromised position with his, um, with his well, uh, no, I didn't find him in a compromised position. He, she was literally putting her clothes back on. So... The idea is I found him, I literally caught him red-handed with this girl, this girl again. That was the end of that marriage. So he ended it. So, and then I remember him saying this at the time that he didn't want to leave me either. He wanted to keep both me and her. Exact same thing which my father wanted. He wanted to keep both me and her. Now, I want you to remember this because this is a very important point I'm going to come back to later. So once that marriage was over, done and dusted, I left and then I filed, I filed for divorce. Being a lawyer myself, I just did the proper work myself and... I gave him the ultimatum that I do want to think from him. If he resisted the, the divorce, then I would, um, I would, uh, I would file on the, the fact that he, he had cheated on me. But if he, if he agreed to it, then we'd just do a mutual, you know, uh, through mutual consent. And that's what we did. And so we got divorced and, um, and that was the end of marriage. But then that's when I, you know, it's, it's, that's, because of that time he refused he did the same thing again he that my father did again some a point to remember because i want to come back to this in a bit um he did the same thing that my father did he refused to give he played the financial card and he refused to give me any 
any kind of um, child maintenance support or home support at all, refused to pay the mortgages, refused to do anything, I refused to pay this, my kids were at the time in private schools, refused to pay the private fee, school fees, and I had to eventually put them out, uh, pull them out of the schools, but he didn't care. Now, this is an important point to remember because I'm going to come back to it in a bit. So the same financial card was played, and again, I had no option but to you know, start from scratch. That was fine too. Now, when it's that point when I realized that, um, you know, that I, I had nothing. And I, because I'm a property millionaire, you can remember that as well, I'm not eligible for financial support in the UK. So when I did initially apply for help, and I, I think that they gave me support for a couple of months, then they did the checks and everything else. And then they came back and said to me, oh, sorry, Miss Carney, you have, you know, you've got property, whatever else, we're unable to support you. And um, even though the fact, because the, the, the divorce is going ahead, I couldn't find it. I couldn't, uh, his, um, I'm not allowed to touch the property because obviously it was equally divided, but you know, both him between me and him, I wasn't able to touch the property either. So I was pretty much stuck being a property millionaire, but I had literally no money to feed my children. And it's at that my lowest point. I remember thinking of sitting on my dining table and saying, I've got no money to my name. The money, the only money that was coming to me was the child, um, the, the we, in the UK we get child benefit, which is about £140 for every four weeks for two children I was getting at the time. That's the only money that I had, the only money that I had. And I was sitting there thinking, God, how am I going to feed my kids? How am I going to do anything? I, I had no clue. And I remember speaking to, I remember one of my aunts called me up at that moment. And she was talking me through and saying, you know, how sorry she was, everything was going on the way it was. And it's her who I think I, I give credit to for changing my life around. I, at that moment, hadn't put the pieces together. I was still looking at individual pieces, but I hadn't seen the bigger puzzle. And I didn't realize what it is that had happened. And it was her who actually brought it to my attention. She looked at my life and she listened, she listened to my, you know, what had happened, what Yvonne had done and everything else. And then she came up and she said this to me. And now this was what changed my life. My aunt listened to the entire story of what happened and what <laughs> happened over the last few years and everything that happened. And then she turned around and said to me in her, I think she was being nice in her own way, said, oh, I'm so sorry this has happened to you. Your mother must have turned in her grave. The same thing happened to you what happened to her. And I thought, huh? What, what do you mean? What, 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 come again? So I literally, that's how I reacted to her. She said, go, have you not realized that same thing happened to your mother? That's and so, exact same thing's happening to you. It's such a shame that history, history is repeating itself. And I was flawed. I had not up to that point realize and put the connect all the dots together to realize what had happened so this is why i wanted to remember that the certain points and i said i'll come back to it i had in fact manifested my mother's entire life all over again so history had absolutely repeated itself and the points were so stocked uh, it was absolutely amazing when i put them together anymore so my father remarried uh, around the, the time when my mother was in the, in the mid to late 30s I was in a mid to late thirties. My father had married a woman who was 16 years younger than my mother. The woman, if I cheated on me and was actually going to go and get married to, if I hadn't caught him on that day, that they were actually scheduled to go and get married at, 10, at 11 o'clock. So that's why I had to be there for 10.30. Um, it, she was 16 years younger than me. My father, when my father remarried, my mother had two children and she had a boy and a girl and, the girl, and I was the younger one and I was five years old. I had a boy and a girl and my boy was five years old. And so my father had played the financial card and, and because he wanted both to keep, he wanted to keep both my mom and his second wife. If one played the financial card as well, he wanted to keep me 
and his, um, his uh, girlfriend as well. Can you believe it? Can you imagine? I had manifested my mother's exact frigging life. It was absolutely amazing to me. Now, somebody else could sit there and cry about it and think, oh my God, oh my God, what have I done? What have I done? I felt liberated. And I thought, oh my gosh, if I can, and I went and I had to do this, and if you think about it, I had to make a barrister working in the UK as a banking finance lawyer become this victim of you know uh, you know a single mother of two children being put through hell everything i had to manifest that can you imagine the power that's required to manifest that you know going from one extreme to the other and if i can do that if i can manifest my mother's exact life what else could i possibly manifest if i used my manifesting powers correctly can you see my point this was the most liberating point for me and I think the turning point and it changed my life. It changed my perspective. It changed everything. That moment was when I had the, oh my gosh, I can create the life of my dreams. If I can create this, I can create anything. And that's what I went on to do. So soon after that, I actually went and I realized what it was that I was doing. I, I had been on this journey for ages. I was aware of, of, of limiting beliefs. I was aware of, of law of attraction. I was aware of what, how, how things transpire, yet I was not applying it in my own life. And this is what I had to change. From that moment onwards, I unraveled and I made it my mission to unravel every limiting belief and every ideology about men, about money, about life, about success, about myself that I could have. And within space of literally six months, I had transformed my life. The first thing that happened was I forgave my ex-husband. So he, if I'm my friends now, so we are friends because we, we're co-parenting our children. So we're going to. So for that reason, I wanted to become friends with him. I didn't want to have any ill feelings towards him. So we have a very cordial, very friendly relationship. For that reason, I and also because I know forgiveness is a path of prosperity. I really believe in that. So I forgave him. I worked on every aspect of myself. The first person I had to forgive was my, my you know, was Irfan. The second person was myself for, for creating this mess. So I forgave Irfan. I forgave myself. I forgave my father. I forgave everyone around me. And I worked on all my beliefs. I unraveled things. I, I came up with strategies. One of the strategies that was born in that duration was this three steps to cash flow mastery. I will share that strategy during one of the later podcasts. But for now, just know that that's, that's my famous strategy. Three steps to cash flow mastery was born during this duration. And this is the reason why I'm so passionate about it because I know it works. It works for me. It worked for me back then. It works for my clients even now. It's so, so powerful that you have to adopt it. So remember to tune in to watch one of those episodes and listen more about the three steps to cash flow mastery. Now, because this was, I had realized this, I, I began to apply it to my own life. I began to realize that at the time, oh, I had two options. Now, I began to unravel my life and work on a limiting belief, so forth. But I also had the other thing to do. I, had, I was running out of my savings very, very quickly. All the gold was sold. Everything was sold. Nothing was left, from, uh, left behind. My kids were pulled out of school, so they had nothing. I still had to find a way to make money. So I had two options. I could, my initial option, which was the obvious one, which was to go back into law and go, but I would, for that, for me to, there were a couple of things about it. The pros against that, me going to back to work was one, I hated law in the first place. I wasn't a big fan of being in the corporate world. Secondly, I, you know, the prospect of working 80 to 90 hours a week and seeing my children so infrequently just, just made me want to vomit. Just, I, I really felt like, you know, my children already don't see their father apart from the, the weekend or one day on Sunday. I didn't want them to miss out on having the mother as well. And the third one was, I actually didn't feel, 
I, I felt that if I can create this mess, I really felt like if I can create this mess, if I can make my life as a, as a and manifest your mother's exact life, what else can I create? And I was determined to create a successful business. Now, keep in mind up until now, I had not had one successful business. I had multiple failures through affiliate marketing from this program to that program to even setting up a physical care home where we lost hundred thousand pounds. We actually lost a hundred thousand pounds in that business and various other business. I had not made a single penny from any person of any business at all whatsoever okay that's where the concept of toxic money was born and i realized why it was that i hadn't made money in any of the previous businesses but i decided to work through my toxic money and come out the other end and set up a business and this is where i set up and then the question was what would i teach people what would i do what would I, what kind of business would i have the, the the most obvious business was that i would do coaching and being an intuitive healer i could heal people now the question then became okay, what would I heal? I could heal people's, you know, being a healer, I am energy healer. I can do physical relationships. I can do relationships. I can do, you know, physical bodies, whatever. But the one thing that came to my mind and it was a no brainer was I would heal people's money stories. That's it. Because I truly believe that money can be, if you can solve your money story, you can solve anything. Do you know why? Because once you've, in order for you to solve your money story, you have to solve your emotional baggage. You have to deal with emotional baggage. You have to go and deep uh, and face your deepest, darkest demons. And until and unless you do that, your money story will never get fixed and you will be in the rat cycle. You may be in the cycle of boom and bust, or you may not be able to manifest anything, or you may not be able to manifest much. There's always issues around it. Until you face your deepest, darkest demons, you cannot get to that kind of level of wealth or achievement or success and also do with ease and grace. At times I find a lot of people you know, achieving success, but they do it through hard work and they're, 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 they're always hustling and they're always doing things and they find themselves burning out very, very quickly and they're burnouts, okay? That's not what I wanted. I want to teach people to have money with ease and grace, to be able to do doing, you know, and allow money to come to them. Create a system, create a program where money starts coming to you rather than you running after money for you to become best friends with money. And this is where the money, my money, my avatar was born when I came up with the concept of money avatar, how to, in order to, you know, because my, my first concept was, well, if money was my best friend, how would she behave with me? How would I treat her? And this is where the money, you know, your money avatar that was born. I will talk about your money avatar on the later podcast as well. So let's stay tuned for that when that comes through. But this is where all these concepts were born. And this is how I went, to, you know, I went on to becoming a, a money mindset coach initially. I, take, I took on the title of an expert because when I looked around people, when I started teaching people and the kind of results that people, people were getting, I actually realized that most people out there who are teaching concepts of law of attraction are not really money mindset experts. They're not. And I realized my tools, my strategies were different. They worked and they were different for a reason because I had lived through the, the, the lacks and scarcity, had come out the other end and had actually applied all these strategies to myself. I had to because my biggest motivation was how was I going to feed my kids? My motivation wasn't to get the next diamond ring or to buy my Ferrari. My motivation was how am I going to get food on the table for my two young children? Okay, so this is why I started, but I built myself up from there. And it's so powerful for you to understand because you have to develop. Now, on this journey, I went on to, I went from becoming a very, um, you know, very confident young individual, very confident and um, assured, you know, confident in her appearance and confident in her mental ability, young lawyer to becoming a, a stay at home mom who was completely devoid of any confidence whatsoever in her physical appearance, in her mental ability, in her, in her ability to even create a business to becoming this 
money mindset expert who is confident in her looks, in her appearance, in her in her ability to help people, in her ability to provide a service to people, in her ability to know that she can make a change in the world. This is who I've become now. And this is why I have become this passionate person. Now, I've had all this success because of money. Because when I focused on money, when I focused on my energies and working out my money stories, everything around me changed. My whole life transformed. The way I am, I that transformed. My relationship with divine energy transformed. Because honestly, you cannot have a, a great relationship with money if you don't have a great relationship with divine energy. That's one of my core principles that I teach. In order for you to have a great relationship with money, I don't care what, what, you, what name you give to divine energy. You can call it Allah Spantala, you can call it Buddha, you can call it Rama, you can call it universe. Whatever name you give to divine energy is not my problem. My, my, my issue is, Unless you have a great relationship with divine energy, you will not have a great relationship with money. It's just simple as that. Okay, that, that, so that I begin to teach these things. And you can hear my voice, how passionate I am about it. I want you to understand how money can be your best friend, not something that you reach out for, not something that you run after, not something that you need to have when you come from the needy energy. I want you to have this passion and you know, for life and for you to know that money is your best friend, will be there, always be there before you, you, know, um, you know you need it. And it will always turn up. And you know, sometimes it's always there to support you, but it's always there for you to have fun with as well. It's always there. It's always there. She doesn't have to live with you because remember, there's my ebb and flow of money. Money will come and go, but it's always there. Whenever you need it, money is always there. Okay, you're, when you need it, your best friends are always there. That's the kind of concept I want to bring into your life, and I want you to understand that. And this is the purpose of this this podcast. This podcast is about me sharing my teachings, my learnings about money, and I will be bringing guests on here as well. We will have a, a Friday feature where we have a guest every Friday. The way this podcast is going to go, we'll, have, uh, we'll be releasing a new podcast every Monday, every Wednesday, every Friday. Friday podcasts will always be featured around somebody teaching, you know, sharing their mindset strategies, sharing how they change their mindset to become who they are and teaching a principle or, or some other teachings along the way. So we'll have this as a concept. It's not just about conversations, it's about sharing their knowledge and sharing their experiences with you. And some of them obviously sharing their journey as well, because I think journeys are part of the, of the process. I became a money mindset expert, as you can see now, through my ups and downs. There have been many ups, many downs, and I've had issues. Am I angry at anybody? Hell no. Am I upset with my ex? No. Am I upset with my father? No. Did I have issues to deal with? Hell yeah. Okay? So I'm very happy where I am, and I wouldn't go back and change one ounce or even one day of my life. Everything in my life has led me to where I am right now, and I love where I am right now. I'm able to have the life of my dreams. I'm able to have an amazing relationship with my kids and my clients. I serve my clients with with authenticity and humility and with passion, and I'm able to get them the results they want and able to change people's lives. And this is my mission in life, and this is why I'm so passionate about it. Once I, I, I get to a certain level, I will be focusing on making this, taking this as pro bono to places where it's not possible for in, in developing countries and help children and, uh, and, and young women and changing their mindset around money. And I will be doing that as a pro bono part of my, my business. But for the time being, I'm focusing on helping everybody I can through my podcast, through my, you know, my free challenges, through my trainings, and especially through my, 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 my high-end pay programs as well. So I hope you enjoyed listening to me today and, and realize now where why i started out where i was and why i am where i am i started off being this independent strong-minded professional lawyer and i ended up being this <laughs> still the same independent strong-minded passionate money mindset expert i hope you listen to the rest of the, the remaining podcasts and i hope you keep an eye out please please 
do if you want to support us and if you want to support my podcast please leave a review for us and download it and overview and share this with your friends and families as much as possible the way the all the podcasts are that are, will be released will have a, the utmost value and we'll be sharing journeys and we'll be sharing strategies and tools which will help you to develop a better relationship with money my sole focus of doing this podcast is to make sure that everyone who listens develops a really strong relationship a friendship a really strong friendship with money hope to see you soon Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website, www.gulkhan.com. That's G-U-L-L-K-H-A-N.com. And if you want to take part in our free five-day millionaire mindset makeover challenge, where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance, then please go to www.millionairemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in our free five-day challenge. Until the next time we meet, this is Gul Khan. Bye for now.